medical terminology that I'm not familiar with because I don't want to know yeah. the inner workings of the UCL because it makes me nervous about my favorite players. Yeah, seriously, right? I read. I, I think I mentioned that I read uh, Jeff Passan's The Arm, and now every time I read about this thing, I like just visualize the inside of the arm and what the surgery process is like. And this is like, I almost don't want to know this. I don't want to visualize all this stuff happening to Shohei Otani right now. No, I don't want to know. I don't want to read Jeff Passan's arm. Sorry, Jeff Passan. <laughs> read a different book. <laughs> yeah, this is depressing, man. This is like not what we needed right now. That's like when Matt Harvey had the uh, thoracic outlet syndrome and everyone was reporting on like what that is because no one knows what it is. <laughs> no one's a doctor. And all the beat reporters were like writing their stories about how the surgery to fix it, you have to have a rib removed. <laughs> you have to have them like broken yeah. and it takes forever to heal and they were talking about how like bruised up he was and i'm like i just there's some things that like, there's some stones better left unturned yeah truly i i love with like with like this it's like oh this tear is unrelated to the previous tear that he already had in his arm and it's like great just freaking great we're gonna have all of our favorite pitchers just have like four different tears of their right or left arms but what does that even mean, though? Like, how is this tear unrelated? Came from the same thing. Throwing a baseball 100 miles an hour. I would call that related. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I used I, to have shin splints when I was playing basketball a lot. And then when I stopped, they went away. And then when I started playing basketball again, they came back. I would call those injuries <laughs> related. <laughs> I don't know, man. It just, it hurts. Apparently, like, you know, this mo obviously mostly usually leads to Tommy John and I appreciate the angels just like giving fans a little sliver of false hope and being like well we gave him the uh the platelet rich plasma and stem cell injections and yeah. uh, and we'll reevaluate him in 3 weeks so I like how you went for the the full pronunciation of the platelet rich plasma instead of just going for the PRP I, yeah. I respect that endeavor yeah. on your part yeah, I had to do it we are a medical podcast right now <laughs> we're just on webmd <laughs> what is this ucl anyway huh let's get down to the bottom of this but no this is really sad but on some level it's like okay you knew he kind of had this like compromised ucl to some extent just from being an 18 year old who threw like 100 miles an hour and so if he can just kind of i don't want to say get it out of the way because like tommy john you never really know how someone's going to bounce back on an individual basis but for the most part like they've gotten it to the point where 
everyone just kind of gets Tommy John early in their career and then just is fine for at least a few years. So if you're the Angels, like you've already gotten your contracts worth, which is unfortunate (laughs) (laughs) because they should be making a lot more money. But, you know, I can see from their perspective, like how they're not freaking out about this and kind of taking it slowly and being fine with letting him try to come back with the PRP and that kind of thing. Yeah, I get that. It reminds me of all those stories that you hear once in a while, like coming out of like Little League where it's like, you know, 16 year olds just voluntarily opting to get Tommy John surgery, even though there's nothing wrong with their arm, just so that they can come back and like throw a couple of miles per hour harder. That's so stupid. Have you heard about that stuff? No, I haven't heard about that stuff, but what? Yeah, yeah. It's like, because you come back fine or whatever. And so they're like, well, we'll just fucking, we'll just get it right now. Get it out of the way. And I'll come back and my elbow will be stronger than ever. That's so stupid. Yeah. That's like, I don't even understand It's ridiculously dumb. What is the logic there? You know, that is a good... I think Tommy John doesn't make you less likely to to need Tommy John later in life. It actually makes you more likely. Yeah, I, I, I don't understand it. I can't wrap my head around it. Oh, God. Little League is a sick, twisted place. That it is. We should we should finally get around to doing that Little League podcast that we've always talked about doing. <laughs> yeah, probably. That's one of our summer projects. You know, so we lost Shohei Otani, at least for the time being. I say lost like he's dead, but he's not. He's alive. He's doing well as a person, but not as a baseball player. And instead, we got Mike Trout, who's just going to account for all of Shohei Otani's war and his own war and then some. Jesus Christ, man. He just does not stop hitting. He says he doesn't stop getting better. I don't like, can he pitch? Honestly, yeah, he probably, he probably could. could. <laughs> I, I saw I saw a tweet the other day that was like, I really hope that Mike Trout is just really bad at something really mundane, like folding laundry or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like he can't uh you can't like fry an egg or something like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is like the one thing that like frustrates him in life. It's like something that I learned how to do and I can <laughs> the, do it the, the yoke breaks every single time and he's like, God damn it. He can't like, well, I'm not good at this either, but like he can't, he can't do laundry and not make his clothes have wrinkles. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. That's a real struggle, right? Mike Trout definitely just, does Mike Trout do laundry? I feel like he does. I feel like Mike Trout's just a totally normal guy. Yeah, absolutely. I was listening to... I don't know what it was, but I was listening to, I was like watching some TV show the other day. I've like had a lot of intake of ESPN recently since I've been home for a little while because like, well, it's fine. It's, it's like decent background noise, but whatever show that was on, they were talking about how they could see like, oh no, it was the ESPN Sunday night broadcast because I was watching the Mets and the Yankees for whatever reason I was torturing myself. And the announcer was talking about how Trout and Todd Frazier are both from, (laughs) from New Jersey (laughs) and how they're just like, those kind of guys who just love to play the game and like nothing else really. They just love baseball. They love hanging out. They love just guys. They love being guys who are being dudes. And he was like, I can see, I can see them going back to their hometowns and running their high school program and facing off every once in a while and just making powerhouses in New Jersey. And I'm sitting there on the couch. I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? Mike Trout is not going back to coach his high school. Mike Trout is going to end up the best baseball player of all time. He's not going to be able to step on a baseball field without a thousand people asking him for an autograph. He can't just think back into anonymity and coach a high school team. What are you talking about? Todd Frazier, on the other hand, that is absolutely what he's going to do when he's (laughs) done with baseball. (laughs) 
Uh, who would be who would be other good candidates to do this? I bet you Paulo Duca is already doing this. I'm sure he's already doing it. Yeah, <laughs> brainwashing the minds of the youth. It's just like feeding steroids to 16 year olds, telling them to get their ACLs <laughs> replaced. Gosh, no, Mike Trout's not going to become a high school coach, my guy. Uh, you know he's on pace for like 13 and a half WAR this year. You retweeted that thing that was like he's on pace for 14.3. Yeah, or or something like that. I think that might might have been baseball reference. Regardless, he's on pace for a lot. Like like the, objectively the speaking, ever. yes, y- yeah, yeah. That uh, I don't know. He went like he was like when I went to bed. He was at three for three with a walk against the A's last night, and I was like, okay, that's fine. So we got we got a walk out of him. It could have been four for four, but uh, but uh, we limited him to a walk in one of his at bats. I'm like, I'm good with that. When do you start treating him like Barry Bonds in 2001? Like, when do you just walk him? <laughs> like, walk Every him time. with the bases loaded? Yeah. That's still the craziest thing that's ever happened. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, he's going to – he might hit 50 home runs this year. So, is that, like, the line that you draw? You're like, all right, now now we have to treat start treating you like an immortal being. He's like John Carlos Stanton, but he doesn't strike out 40% of the time. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, so, he's like Barry Bonds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah except right-handed i'm on his fan graphs page and it's just like rotowire news trout went three for five with a pair of home runs in three rbi in tuesday's six three lost to the mariners and come on angels do better <laughs> he's literally like a little the one little league player on the regular team who like has been playing travel and aau baseball for like six years and he comes back he hits two home runs he goes three for five scores all of the runs and then no one else does anything <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. He's the coach's kid who's just like carrying the team on his back. He's the LeBron of the Angels. Pretty much. Yeah. Let's see. He's His WRC plus is 207. Oh, so he's literally 107% better than an average major league player. Yep. That's good. He's striking out 18.8% of the time and walking 18.4% of the time. So he's on pace to hit 50 home runs and he's almost on pace to walk more than he strikes out. And if he steals 30 bases too, I'm like, all right, fine. I just give up. He's slashing 323, 450, 690. Nice. He's he's slugging 690, my guy. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Wow. I think there are guys on the A's whose OPS aren't that high. They're like, the Mets team OPS is not that high. Uh yeah, he's good, man. Is is the uh is the news, I think. Yeah. We I mean we gush about Mike Trout a lot. We gush about like Lindor a lot. We talk about, you know, our favorite players ad nauseum on this podcast. So we don't usually go this deep into Mike Trout, but we felt like he deserved it. He totally deserves it. He is the best baseball player we will ever witness and maybe the greatest to ever play the game. And sorry that he's on the Angels because that sucks and I'm never going to watch him play, but I feel like he's one of those players that we just take for granted, you know, like he's just there and we're like, oh yeah, Mike Trout's great. And then we check in on him and we're like, oh, look at that. He actually got better since the last time I looked at his stats. I'm like, solid. Okay. I'll check in on a month, check in on him in a month and he'll be hitting like 400. He literally just like downloads the newest updates. Yeah. And like two weeks later, he's just better. Yeah. I don't understand how he does it. If I end up going out to LA for a job, I'm going to, everyone's going to be like, hey, you want to go catch a Dodgers game this weekend? I'm like, no, I'm going to go to Anaheim. <laughs> go watch Mike Trout just to go watch Mike Trout. I'll yeah. sit in the freaking bleachers. Just be like, Mike, hit it to me. I bet you he could. Yeah, 
Yeah, if you told if you if you told him where you were sitting, you're like, yeah, I'm in section uh, 304, uh, row 12. He'd be like, all right, I got you. Give or take three or four seats, you know, depending on the wind currents. <laughs> That's the one thing I can't control. <laughs> uh, I really want that. I really want to go just watch like as many Angels games as possible. Because yeah. all right, the thing about like Mike Trout, the reason that we don't, we talk about how great he is all the time and we gush about him and how he's the best player that we'll ever see. But, you know, something that we sort of made it a goal on this podcast to do is just to like talk about baseball players who like should be basketball players is our joke, but like baseball players who have big personalities and like sort of subvert the stupid like traditions of baseball a lot. And Mike Trout is obviously not one of those people. He's like super boring. He's just very vanilla. He plays the game quote unquote the right way. He doesn't bat flip all those things, but like every once in a while we need to just sort of put ourselves in check and talk about him, like his actual baseball skills (laughs) And that's not necessarily what people are coming to us to listen to, but he deserves it. So Yeah. His most interesting tweets are the ones where he like sends the little airplane emoji with the next to the city that the team is traveling to, to next. <laughs> like, all right, cool, man. Way to stir up that Twitter beef. Yeah. What uh what makes that man tick? What what is he interested in outside of baseball? I think he's one of those players who really just doesn't have a life outside of baseball, you know? He like, came on the road the the road tripping podcast, which is like that NBA one where Richard Jefferson and Channing Fry, who were, used to be teammates on the Cavs, like did it while they were traveling. And when they went to LA for like I don't know to play the Clippers or the Lakers or something like that, they got him on the podcast. And he came on the podcast, and he was just exactly how you expect it to be. Like every two minute interview of Mike Trout that you've seen, just extend that by like thirty minutes, and that was him on the podcast. I really don't think that I could listen to that. <laughs> Well, it was interesting because, like, he was laughing and they were kind of... uh... (laughs) It was interesting because he was laughing. (laughs) It was interesting because he showed a range of emotions. He seems like a a cool guy to sort of hang out with, but he's not, like, someone you would go to for a great quote or, like, a a great interview necessarily. But they also had, like, the the Angels TV reporter, I think, Uh with him. Or maybe it was a Lakers one or it's just someone who knew him who was out in L.A. And, like... They were just sort of talking about his process, how you compare greatness across sports and because they're teammates of LeBron. And so talking about LeBron and Mike Trout and how they get prepared for games and LeBron, obviously a lot more personality. Trout's just like, I just go out there and play. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I, you know, man, I just try and see the ball, hit, hit the ball. And I, I let the ball come to me, man. You got to just let the game come to you. And that's, yeah, man, uh... you just got to take it one pitch at a time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's the guy who you asked to like go see a movie with on Friday night, and he's like, "Nah, man, I think I'm gonna like watch some film instead of my bats." I'm like, "You don't have anything you need to work on. Like, you went four for four. You just want to watch yourself be good. Like, okay, <laughs> fine, have fun." Yeah, he definitely wore his baseball hat to school every day. Definitely got yelled <laughs> at a lot when they were like, "Take your hat off. You're inside." Yeah, definitely, definitely that kind of guy. Yeah, he might be. He might even have been the kind of guy who like put on eye black in like the last period of class before he like went out to the game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah on game day, on game day, he just like wore his jersey to school. It's like, yeah, all right, for sure. Definitely. He carried around his bag all the time, even yeah. though he definitely had a locker room to leave it in. I'm glad that he's the best player in baseball and we still find ways to roast Mike Trout. <laughs> like this is the only way that we can talk about him is when he bring him up and be like, he's really good, but man, is he boring? Well, to each his own, man. He lives his life. I'm sure he has a great time living his life. He signed like the below market extensions to kind of stay in LA. 
He seems like one of those guys who just sort of lets momentum run its course and just kind of goes with it. Yeah, he's like, yeah, man, I'll play here. Like, I'll play in Anaheim. Like, he totally finds things to do in Anaheim, California. Yeah, he goes to a bar and has, like, one beer and watches baseball games. Yep, pretty much. I want to hang with him. Let's have him on the podcast. All right, sounds good. We'll start sending some emails out. You could just be like, Mike, no one listens to this. You could just actually be yourself. <laughs> this clip is not going to make any kind of rounds. <laughs> um, you know who is also good, who are also in the AL West? Uh, Seattle Mariners playing some good baseball right now. And yeah. frankly, frankly, it's not fair. I don't understand it. Also, the A's are screwed this year. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're going to reset for next year probably, and that's fine. That's I'm okay with that. Their their windows coming, but the uh, the Mariners are, I mean, they're playing way over their heads, you know. But yeah. so so, what's their record right now? I think I just looked it up. There's like forty six and twenty five. Oh, yeah, forty five and twenty five. What the Seattle Mariners in twenty eighteen are forty five and twenty five. They just lost Robinson Cano for half a season, and Felix Hernandez is bad. But they're like, all right, we'll just. Mitch Hanniger will be Babe Ruth now. That's fine. <laughs> Mitch Hanniger, <laughs> Mike Zanino. Yeah. The consensus is that he is good. He is good. Mike Zanino is good. Yeah, man. I don't understand it. I can't say that I've watched a ton of Mariners baseball except when we've been watching them play the A's together. Yeah. And when James Paxton threw a no hitter. <laughs> yeah, true. Like those are the only things. Do you know why they're good? I can't explain it. I luck. <laughs> that's what you, i chalk it up to i mean they have like they have a pretty good lineup honestly and their pitchers have been i guess halfway decent it helps when you have a guy like james paxton that doesn't hurt you uh they had the mariners honestly like i have what you know i've watched a decent amount of their games just because they play the a's a lot because they're in the same division and their lineup is really a lot of fun like they have guys like uh like D Gordon and Gene Segura and, you know, Mitch Hanager and Mike Zanino. Like they have a lot of guys who either hit the ball really far or run really, really fast. And these are like the two things that we talk about are the most fun things to watch in baseball. And they yeah. have a perfect combination of that. So I guess that makes you half a game back of the best team in baseball Astros. I don't know, yeah. man. I'm a Mariners fan now. Yeah. I'm announcing it to the world, everybody. I'm a Mariners fan. I was born in Washington. I'm just taking back my birthright. I'm not oh. a Mariners fan. <laughs> Every week, I'm just going to dissociate myself with the Mets and pick a new team to love. Yeah, yeah. Every week, you're like, Ugh, I can't watch this Mets team anymore. I'm just, I'm going to become an A's fan. Uh, no, this week, I'm going to become a Mariners fan. Next week, you're going to be like an Astros fan. No, two weeks. I'm pretty sure like a week ago or two weeks ago, I just texted you saying like, I'm just going to become a fan of the team that won the World Series and looks like they're going to win the World Series again. Yeah, that? that's the best way to do it. It's way more fun that way. The teams actually win. <laughs> yeah, you have to you have to do it like like a year late though, you know. So don't become an Astros fan, but become a Cubs fan because like now it's cool, you know. <laughs> it's not cool to be a Cubs fan now. If you weren't a Cubs fan before, it's never cool to become a Cubs fan. Yeah, you that's... really have to like. That's like one of those fan bases you can't really fake it. No, not at all. That's that's the only time that I will bless the whole, like, well, do you know about the curse? Do you know how it started? Do you know about Steve Bartman? That's the <laughs> only time I will, like, bless that sort of snarkiness. They went through a lot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs>
Ben Lindbergh wrote an article about the Mariners getting back on topic, back on to the topic of my favorite team. Um, he wrote an article about the Mariners and how it's, he called it like a first place fluke, but that they sort of like deserve this confluence of luck after all the bad luck that they've had yeah, and how long it's been since they've made the playoffs. And I generally agree with that take. Yeah. I mean, their window is kind of closing anyway, you know, like they really have this year and then maybe next year, I think. And because they their minor league system is depleted because Jerry Depoto just loves to wheel and deal, man, just every day calling up, trading away his double uh, A players for like a, you know, a closer. Um, yeah. Their bullpen is actually really good, honestly. <laughs> it's it's sort of an interesting argument in favor of not being bad until you're forced to be bad, you know, like an argument against the teardown tank, which the Mariners have just refused to do over the last three years when they've just been like 79 and 83. Yeah. And a lot of teams in their position would have just said like, all right, F this. I'm sick of being, having a 470 winning percentage every year. And we've just <laughs> torn down. And Jerry Depoto was like, nah, you know what I mean? Like the Royals did this a couple of years ago, like 2016 and really last year too, were like their last two years of contention. And they're like, no, 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 we're not going to tear down ahead of time. We're just going to kind of stick it out with this core and hope for the best. And it didn't work out for them. It looks like it's working out for the Mariners right now. But all this could be moot when they get like swept by the Astros or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I still think that we should get Jerry on the podcast one of these days. That would be a fun... Like, there'd be a more interesting GM to talk to. Like, I feel like he's so outlandish. I mean, he's the most... He may not be the most public GM, but he's probably the most publicly roasted GM um, at least on on a place like baseball Twitter, he's a pretty public GM. He has his own podcast. It's pretty public. Yeah, I know. Um, Let's do a home and home with his podcast. We go on his. He comes on ours. <laughs> hey Jerry, we will come on your podcast to talk about whatever you want. Yeah, man. How could he say no to that? Let's just put this idea out in the world. <laughs> uh, yeah, but anyway, the the Mariners. I mean, they're fun to watch right now. I'm I'm into it it's not the easier so i can i can take solace in other fun teams doing well it's not even that it's not the a's year i mean it's obviously it was never going to be their year to like win 90 games make the playoffs and push to make the world series you know yeah i feel like it's usually not any one team's year in the way that it's been kind of the mariners year to kind of like get lucky and be 20 games over 500 you know what i mean this is a pretty rare thing i feel like yeah pretty much I'm I, I'm okay with it. We'll just wait for the Astros to be bad again, and for the Mariners to be bad again, and for the Angels to be bad again. Happen. Yeah, I feel like there's a decent a decent shot of one of them dropping off next year. Well, so I mean, the Mariners are going to be bad next year. Let's be honest. <laughs> I don't know about the Angels. Depends on like Otani and everything else. But it's safe to say the Astros are probably not going to be bad for like five years. Yeah, that's not fair. You could pretty much, I don't know, it, it's not the A's year this year, but I found a hard time trying to find their window of contention in a division so top-heavy with the Astros. Realignment just for the sake of getting the Astros out of the AL West. That's my pitch to the MLB. They should just put all the best teams in the same division. God, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be fun. We don't need all of them in the playoffs. No. How about Astros, Yankees, Red Sox, Nationals, Dodgers, who else? They just put them all in the same Indians, division. Like all just, the teams. Just are... one like 
eight team division. No, no, keep the Indians out of this. I need Francisco Lindor more in my life. <laughs> just like all the teams that spend over two hundred million dollars, they just have to go in the same division. How about that realignment by spending? Oh, by spending. Okay. Yeah, that's a take, man. Yeah, that is. The Mets would keep themselves down there with like the freaking Minnesota Twins, <laughs> the Marlins every year. Yeah. So then, do you just you just realign? Like, what if the Mets? took one off season and went and spent like 50 million more than they had in recent years. Should they just automatically get kicked over to the next division up? Yeah, man. It'd be like high school sports when you have like single A, double A, triple A. It just like, a. it just like rotates yearly. You're like, ah, oh, this year we're in the, uh, we'd have to come up with better names for it. Yeah. We could do it based off like famous capitalists. This year, we're in the Elon Musk division. <laughs> uh, yeah, really uh, sucks for the Yankees and Red Sox. Don't know who's going to come out of the Jeff Bezos division. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a really competitive year in the <laughs> Bill Gates division. <laughs> uh, that's what Rob Manfred really wants, let's be honest. Yeah, truly. All right, before we, before we get away from kind of our fun bantery talk at the beginning and get into some actual topics that we felt like we wanted to talk about um including those ridiculous anonymous bryce harper comments which we're going to roast in a little while but before we do that we would not be this podcast if we did not talk about the terry collins video even though it, it sort of like lived its 24-hour internet life yeah but that thing will live on forever although if rob manfred had his way it would be dead already <laughs> um if you don't know what you're talking about uh, just go search for it on Twitter. Uh, or I, I guess don't because it's not there anymore. But um, but there was the video that came out a few days ago of Terry Collins arguing with umpire Tom Hallian as the Mets were playing the Dodgers in back in 2016. And Noah Syndergaard threw behind Chase Utley's back. Syndergaard gets tossed. And then it's basically this minute and a half tirade of Terry Collins and Tom Hallian just going at it with each other. And it may be it may be the most like soundbite heavy video I have ever seen. Like you can just jump to any point, like fifty seven seconds, bam! That's another great quote you can stick in your pocket. I mean, it, this thing is just ripe with content. You're done. No, I mean you can't do that. You're not not in that situation, man. You can't. You can't. You can't no, no, that, that ain't gonna happen. I mean, I I know, I know you're gonna say that, but that ain't gonna happen. I mean, that's that's the wrong time to do it. That's all. I'm telling you. It is what it is, but that's, that, is, that ain't going to happen. Our, our ass is in the jackpot. We don't do something there. I'm just telling you that. Wait, but shouldn't there be, be a warning? No, no I mean, okay, the situation of what, what happened and everything else, that's what dictates that, okay? But there was no Neil, prior knowledge that before Neil, the game started. I mean, Neil, if Harry comes into the dugout Neil, and says, Neil, hey, if somebody gets hit, then that's... Neil, then Neil, we, everybody, everybody knows, everybody knows what, what the situation is, Okay. Take him, take him, take him, take him. Terry, 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 get a handle. Come on, let's go. Come on, talk to me. Talk, talk to me. Tommy, that's fucking bullshit. You know it. Then you talk to me about it. Okay. You gotta give us a shot. You know what? You gotta give us a shot. Okay, listen to me. Let me hear what I'm saying. Okay. You get your shot. You had your shot right there. In the situation. Why do you know the situation, Terry? Why do you get a shot, Tommy? Because that doesn't. That makes it worse, Terry. That makes it fucking worse. I know it. But MLB did nothing to that guy. 
nothing. Okay, that, that I, I can't God control that, it. Terry. I can't control that. You know as well as I do where, Terry. You know where I stand on the whole fucking situation. That, but that's, but, but that's. You're better than that, Tommy. No, you no, know that, Terry. Listen, I'm telling you, our ass is in the jackpot now. Okay, okay. That's I'm just telling you. This fucking motherfucker. You know what? That, that, that's you got. You got it. You got, okay, get it. You got everything out. I just want to say this is like the most perfectly crafted internet tipping pitches Mets crossover that you could possibly find in the world (laughs) absolutely this was like made for us (laughs) what is asses in the jackpot (laughs) uh so Syndergaard gets tossed and Collins is pissed and so he runs out of the dugout um and we'll put the the link in the description and there I know there are some sound bites in here and you can hear it but um you have to watch the whole thing because it's just pure genius i mean it's these like two it's like an immovable object meeting an unstoppable force these like (laughs) two things clashing with each other i mean terry collins and tom hallian are literally like pushing each other back and forth they're also just like old dudes you know like baseball lifers so they've like they've been in these arguments before and it did not disappoint they're just you know goliaths just going at each other there's no david in this fight (laughs) (laughs) and i'm just like I don't even think that when I get in an argument, I just forget what to say. I know, right? Like, I had this planned out in my head so well. Yeah, yeah. I, after I after some, you like you like make your first point when you get out there, and then you're and just you're like, like yeah. uh, uh, and and I'm just mad. I want you to know that I'm mad. <laughs> no, with me, it's like I make my first point, and I'm like, yeah, and then I hear the counterpoint, and I'm just like, uh, <laughs> this is moot anyway. Let's just get over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Terry Collins did not get over it, man. He went at it. I mean, they were that's the thing is like they were both making decent points. I mean, yeah, so Tom Hallian says that if they don't toss Cindergard there, their asses will be in the jackpot. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? There are so many other phrases you could use. But he just goes with it, man. <laughs> and he goes with it and he sticks with it. <laughs> He says my favorite thing times. My favorite thing has been Lindsay Adler on Twitter just at various points just being like, guess our asses are in the jackpot now. <laughs> I know. It's She's been like, like three or four times. Yeah, it's in like a handful of tweets. It's in a bunch of headlines. It's been the name of podcasts. Like this phrase has just spread throughout the internet faster than anything else. I would never expect a phrase that Terry Collins uses to be something I had to look up on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> like I could not find what that was. It's not even like it's not a baseball phrase. I've watched a lot of hours of baseball in my life, and I've never heard that phrase used before. Yeah, literally. So, so, so what? So, what did you find? It, it just means like they're in trouble. You know, <laughs> like you could have very easily just used the word trouble. Like we're <laughs> we're we're in this too now. Like uh, they're going to be mad at us too. There are several other things he could have said. Hold on, let me. I'll pull up the actual definition of it. Now I can't even find the definition of it because I searched passes <laughs> in the jackpot and it's just all of these stories. <laughs> okay, okay, I found it. It says, the state of being in trouble of one's own making or the making of another. First of all, it feels like you don't need to specify between one's own making or the making of another. Who else could have made the trouble? Go- going to Urban Dictionary for proper gr- grammatical explanations of phrases. <laughs> the example sentence that they use is, Bill really put himself in the jackpot by selling to that undercover narc. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yes, Urban Dictionary. Such a treasure trove. Yeah. 
You know, the thing is, like, I need to I, know where I need to know where Terry Collins came up with this phrase. Or uh, Tom Hallian. Oh, sorry, Tom Hallian. I need to know what is he reading? What is he watching? What is he listening to? Who are his I, friends? I know, right? Like, what sort of me- what sort of media does he consume on like a regular basis? Frankly, I thought he handled it pretty well. In all honesty, like I understood where he was coming from. You know, like. Yeah. Like if 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 there was a way to kind of diffuse that situation, that would be the way to do it and just be like, look, like Terry, I get it. I get why you're upset. You know, I I I feel you on that, but we would have gotten in a lot of trouble if we hadn't done that right there, right? So he's basically being like, look, I'll like I'll take one for the team with you. Um, but you know, my know. favorite part of the, what he did was he was like, "All right, you done? You got it all out now?" Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Because Terry, Terry just he just kept going, and Tom just like Terry, 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 <laughs> Terry. <laughs> um, all right, maybe the best point that was made lost in all of this was Neil Walker came running in, and Tom Halliard and Neil Walker are talking to each other, and he's like, I guess Neil is just like that grizzly vet who umpires are happy to talk to, which yeah. is just a good name for being like a white guy who's been in the league for longer than eight years. But anyway. Neil Walker's like, all right, but if that was the case, like you should have came and warned us before the game. There was no prior knowledge of that, I think is right. what he says. And yeah. Tom Hallian and Tom Hallian just like shakes his head and he's like, No, see, we're in the jackpot too now. I'm just like, <laughs> is that the Trump card? Are you just allowed to say that to any valid point that someone brings up now? Yeah, pretty much. I do I do love that because like Neil Walker ran over. Like Syndergaard really didn't know what to say. Like part of me thinks like he knew he was going to be ejected there because he like kind of throws his hand up in like half defense of himself, but he's not really saying anything to the umpire. He's like Neil Walker comes over and defends him, and Syndergaard like nods his head emphatically and is like, "Yeah, yeah, man." And it's like, "All right, bro." Like you, you think- part of you knew this was coming. Oh yeah, I, I for sure. But it also raises a question of like, what are you allowed to carry with you from a previous year? You know. Like, yeah. this is a regular season game in the next year. If it had happened two years ago, three years ago, is this an automatic ejection? Like, where do you draw that line unless yeah. you specifically tell the teams ahead of time or they send a memo from the league? That's why I was so frustrated when Syndergaard got ejected. Like, sure, eject him. That's fine. But on principle, I'm mad because you didn't warn him. You didn't warn them before the game, clearly, because Terry Collins said so. And then I love how Terry pivots from being mad about the ejection to not caring about the ejection and just caring about how Chase Utley's a piece of shit. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> He's like, they did nothing to that guy. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And I'm just like, yes, Terry. <laughs> yes, Terry. Fire off those angry tweets just like me the night of that slide. <laughs> I forget who wrote the article afterwards. It might have been like Andy Martino from SNY who was getting shit on for something else like two weeks ago, but whatever. Someone wrote an article afterwards where they literally called up Terry Collins. And he obviously hadn't seen this because Terry, because Terry Collins is not, not on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> And he was like, hey, Terry, they uh, they got the audio of, of you arguing with the umpires after Syndergaard got ejected. <laughs> he takes a pause for like three seconds and he just goes, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's like the, the Mr. Krabs meme where like your world starts spinning and you're like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I guarantee that Terry Collins doesn't even remember like any of the things that he said. He definitely just like blacked out, ran on the field and just started going off on Tom Halley. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So the 
the second part of this saga, right, is that a couple days later, um, so so this circulates around Twitter, it circulates around the internet, everyone's loving it, um, and then it comes out that Rob Manfred is basically trying to scrub the video from the internet. That basically, uh, this was it was like negotiated in the CBA that when the umpires wore microphones, like <laughs> the MLB wouldn't just put all their <laughs> videos out there. Um, and I guess like, you know, someone just got a hold of this and was like, no, 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 no. This is too good not to leak onto the internet. Um, yeah. I, I, that's bold, man. I respect it. I would do despicable things to get a hold of every video like this. Yeah, seriously, despicable right? Despicable things. Yeah. <laughs> I would align myself with whatever hackers necessary to get a hold of every single umpire ejection video <laughs> that they have. Uh, and like, I would be fine with it. Uh, yeah, I, that would be, I mean, you want to get fans more engaged in baseball, just like no commentators, just umpire audio the entire time. Well, like, yeah. Okay. On one end, obviously MLB is not going to do that. Right. And that's not even a plausible thing for any sports league. Like our beloved NBA wouldn't even do that. <laughs> but I will say, because the players would never agree to that either. Right. I will say, though, why can't you have like a 30-minute-long HBO comedy special with these, with these clips? Yeah. You know? It's HBO. Not everyone has it. You have the ability to like say ahead of time like there's going to be foul language. You know, MLB is trying to be a kid's game, so we're not going to put it in the actual live broadcast. But like clearly there are adults who would be interested in this content. Or put it on like freaking Viceland or whatever. I don't care. Let Jesus and Miro like commentate it. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you have to do. Like this is just goes to show like MLB doesn't know what they have here. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Let me hear a real version of Mike stuff. Although it doesn't happen in any sport. So I won't say like MLB doesn't know what they have here. Every, every sport could do this. I want a whole series. Like I want the NBA, like when the, um, the microphone under the basket catches audio. I want that. I want that TV show too. Yeah. Yeah, well, because like everyone loves this sort of thing. Everyone loves that kind of, it's a peek inside the actual world of like these people as humans. Sometimes it's boring, but you actually like when you get the, um, when you get the the manager mic'd up in the dugout or you have the player mic'd up in the field or the third base coach mic'd up, like that sort of stuff is fun because it pulls back the curtain a little bit to like what's actually going on inside these people's minds in real time. And that's a lot of fun. I know that every fan would love to watch more of that sort of thing because it's, yeah. it's really, it's really cool. The player in the field is good. The manager in the dugout is usually boring shit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they could do it better. Obviously there would have to be editorial judgment that would go into it. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, um, I mean, th knowing the MLB, they would filter out all the fun stuff. I'm sure they would. The thing is like, I, on balance, like they weren't wrong to do this. Like I saw some people upset on Twitter. They were like, wow, like Manfred, um, you know, clearly doesn't want uh, fans to have fun. Like just another um, example of one of their marketing missteps. And it's like, it's not another example. I, of nah, this method. doesn't count. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Like they literally negotiated this. This wouldn't happen. And then it happened. If the MOB was For just the like... For the good of everyone, they negotiated that this wouldn't yeah, happen. Yeah, exactly. If the MOB was just like, oh, we're okay with this being out there, the umpires would be like, what the hell, bro? <laughs> yeah. You don't get to just go back and change the CBA just because some people on Twitter liked it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you can't just change CBAs for things that people like on Twitter. Yeah. Overall... I think we are all better people for this video having being leaked onto the internet. I know I am. Yeah. I, I will say quickly though, like 
can we stop romanticizing the Terry Collins era, era just because of this video? Like, cool, he came out and defended his players, but like, he was a bad manager. We're fine now. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I want to leave this conversation. Yeah, that's fair. Love Terry for who he was. Love him for all the great time that we spent together, longest tenured Mets manager. But we can we can move on and appreciate what happened in the past at the same time. Those are not mutually exclusive ideas. Yeah, uh, don't disagree with you on that one. Four days ago, it feels like a lifetime ago, but four days ago, I got like three different push notifications or people sharing stories or whatever about an anonymous National League executive who thinks that Bryce Harper is, quote, not a winning player and wouldn't sign him. So the story originally comes from a FanRag Sports article by Robert Murray in his Murray Monday column. Um, and it's just Murray Monday, NL exec, highly critical of Bryce Harper. And so the gist of it is that apparently in like the week before he, he was asked in like a mailbag thing, whether Bryce Harper was overrated and he answered it. And then he received quote, received three text messages from a top national league executive with his answer. Text one, he's simply overrated. The good ain't worth the bad. He's a losing player, cares about himself more than the team. If I was in charge and had money, if I was in charge and had, you're a top National League executive, apparently, my team would not pursue him. We would use that money to sign two to three winning players. Text two, he's a losing player. I would not sign him. I would use that money to sign two to three winning players. Text three, if he gets more than 10 years, 300 million, I'd be surprised. I would not give him 10 years, period, and certainly not at that AAV. He's just not worth it. He's a selfish, losing player. That fire this man. Seriously. Okay. There's a conversation that needs to be had about like anonymous quotes in journalism. But before we get to that, how is Bryce Harper a losing player? That's so dumb. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He's one of, he's what, a top five? He's okay. He's not having a great year. Fine. Um, but he's still one of the top five players in baseball and he's only 25. But yeah, he's a losing player. What does that mean? What does that mean in baseball? What does that mean in any sport? He is a losing player. So Bryce Harper was called up in 2012. He played the full season, or he played most of the games of that season. Let's go Nationals win-loss record. (laughs) If you just want to talk about winning and losing player, let's go Nationals win-loss record. In 2010, two years before he was called up, 69 and 93. In 2011, they won 80 games. In 2012, the year Bryce Harper was called up, they won 98 games. Then 86, then 96, then 83, then 95, then 97, and they're 37 and 29 this year. So, he hasn't been on a losing team, ever, in his career. Never been on a losing team. Not once. How does that make him a losing player? Are the Nationals so good that even the losing player, Bryce Harper, dragging them down, despite that, they're still one of the best teams in the league? Wow, the Nationals are truly incredible. (laughs) They should be commended that they can find a way to win some games with this cancer on their team in Bryce Harper. This is uh, this just makes me angry. Hey, remember when uh, three years ago he posted one of the best seasons we've ever seen? Because I remember that, and people were putting him in conversations with people like 
uh, Barry Bonds. He hit 330 with 42 home runs. And we were like, this is one of the best seasons we've seen since like Bonds era. But yeah, he's a losing player. Hey, man, he did that in the year that the Nationals won the fewest games that he was there. So clearly his success doesn't relate to the Nationals winning. Yeah, well, it's like that whole thing. He's He is selfish, right? He tried to hit home runs instead of just moving the players over, like station-to-station station baseball. It goes back to basics. Like It's like the guy skipped the Little League or something. <laughs> I just want to say, like, there's not really such a thing as a losing player in baseball. There are good players, and there are average players, and there are bad players. There's Mike Trout, <laughs> and then there's the Mets on the other end. But to be a losing player individually that's not a thing you know there's there's like no nuance to that phrase at all if you want to talk about like how he interacts with his teammates which is great by all reports all of them love him or you want to talk about how he's not having the greatest year of his career that's one thing but to call someone a losing player who's clearly better than almost all of the other players it doesn't (laughs) it doesn't make sense like it's just it's an intellectually dishonest conversation um yeah i so the later on in the column he quotes another another anonymous executive who's like who says he's a generational talent why wouldn't you at least kick the tires to which i say yes exactly what why wouldn't you kick the tires on bryce freaking harper why wouldn't you kick the tires that's insulting in itself kick the tires he's not like some washed pitcher who's getting another shot in double a yeah. We're not like taking a flyer on Bryce Harper. We're talking about like a top seven baseball player. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. He's fine. He will be fine. He will probably end up in the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. Barring like all of these injuries ending his career early. Yeah. But like, much. okay. Obviously, ridiculous things to say, inaccurate things to say. But on some level, like, we have to talk about how this guy from Fan Rag Sports is just willing to straight print anonymous texts from a, quote, top NL executive, whatever that means. I don't even know what it means to be an, an executive with a baseball team. Are you <laughs> I know. Are you, you're just there? You're just in the front office? Are you just doing executive things? What does that mean for a sports team? <laughs> I, like, I called him up and was like, I'm uh, an executive intern. A desac- <laughs> I, uh, you know, I handle ticket sales. <laughs> the bar is on the ground for what it takes to print an anonymous quote in all sports really but i feel like in this particular instance it's just not necessary you're just giving this one guy what he wants in lieu of printing something that's actually accurate right well this doesn't this doesn't do anything to change the narrative i mean it doesn't it doesn't actually tell you anything that you like didn't know before other than there's like one more stupid executive in baseball than you might have otherwise thought right like like no fan is reading this and is like wow i didn't really think about it before but now that this executive says he's overrated i kind of see it like obviously the, and i don't want him on my team yeah what like the overrated label has dogged harper his entire career we do not need another anonymous quote being like yeah i think he's overrated like fine you think he's overrated I don't care. I really yeah. I really do not care in 2018 what you think about Bryce Harper. He doesn't even do a good job in like in debunking this very false statement, which is what you're supposed to do as a journalist when some stupid anonymous person gives you a false quote, you know? Yeah. This is the whole I mean, this is the whole thing with like 
Trump just lying and journalists not just calling it lies. Like, this is a lie. Bryce Harper is not a losing player. He's a good player. Yeah. And the writer goes on to say, he is a generational talent, yes, but Harper's struggles this year are noteworthy. 228 average, 360 OBP, 0.9 war, and a reason why some view Manny Machado as the player to target of the two. And then just like lamely says, Harper is still expected to have plenty of suitors in free agency and is very likely to land a deal of at least $350 million. But the concerns are surrounding him are becoming louder. What is it? No, they're not. Teams are still going to sign Bryce Harper. This is just a lie. It's just bad journalism. Yeah. I like how he kind of he refuted the executive's point without like writing him off entirely. He's like, so Bryce Harper is still probably going to get at least three hundred fifty million dollars, but at least one more person is concerned about him. Like, oh, it's, okay. it's just a, it's a late. First of all, it's a lazy way of looking at it. It's intellectually lazy and dishonest. And if you're going to print this in the first place. You should print it as in you're making fun of this executive for being stupid. And I get you don't want to burn your source or whatever. Then don't print it. You're welcome to not print lies. Yeah, you don't have to do that. I mean, and this is not a defense of the columnist, but like, look, buddy, I get it. It's mid-June. Baseball's boring right now. There's, there's, There's not a lot going on. We are hitting the dog days of summer. And there are a handful of very good teams in baseball. And the rest are just kind of floundering. I get it, but you you still don't need to print this. Just cut this section out of your column entirely. Like it just feels like a a uh, a plea for like I didn't know what to write about. So you're like texting executives, be like, complain about something. Just just complain about something, please. <laughs> yeah, he well he he claims that the text came in response to an article he wrote last week. Yeah, but. Okay, the columnist, I get I get your point Like that you're trying to make. It's the dog days of the baseball season. There's not a ton to write about. But at the same time, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. He knew that this was going to get aggregated. He knew that there were going to be people who were going to take this and run with it. Like if you search Bryce Harper now, he's at the top of all this SEO stuff. Yeah. And every article that's writing about it has to link to him because journalistically, you have to link to the original article where this quote came from. And everyone wants to write about it. Even like the Washington Post is writing about it, you know? They were doing it in a smarter way and printing Mike Rizzo's response, who's the Nats GM, and just how this is basically bullshit because it is. I like how Rizzo Rizzo just comes out and just totally pans this. His quote was, "I think it's totally, I think it's just totally unfair on so many levels. First of all, the premise is entirely wrong. Bryce Harper is a winner. He's been a winner his whole life. He's been a Rookie of the Year, five-time All Star, and MVP." He's won more games since he's been called up to the big leagues than any player in the major leagues. So how is that a loser? <laughs> I didn't even realize that. He's won the most games in since he's been called up of any player. I didn't realize that. I don't know if that's true. I, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> it's like he, he pulled that out of his ass. I, like how, I find that hard to believe that Clayton Kershaw hasn't won more games in that time period. Yeah, right. I, I like how he uh, he comes out and then just rips anonymous quotes. And these anonymous quotes from these unnamed sources like a National League executive, it's cowardly, it's chicken shit, and it's gutless. Yes. <laughs> yes, Mike Rizzo. Thank you. Seriously, give this the proper pan that it deserves. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He really, oh my God. He just, he just keeps going, doesn't it? Oh my God. Yeah. This is like, seriously, he talked for like five straight minutes about this. Do you want to know my galaxy brain take? Are you ready for my galaxy brain take? Yeah. The NL executive is on the Nationals. They planted him for the chance for Mike Rizzo to defend him in front of the press and make Bryce Harper want to stay. That's my galaxy brain take. Wow. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They planted him. That's like some four-dimensional chess right there. 
Do you think that teams don't do it, though? Teams definitely do that. They just play stupid columnists like Robert Murray or whatever. We're just shitting on Robert Murray hard, (laughs) but he earned it this week. (laughs) He earned it this week. But teams definitely do this, man. Yeah. There used to be, like, the... Like this guy who would write op-eds. He was like a, he was like a sports journalist or whatever. And he would just write op-eds for Phil Jackson. Like when he was on the Lakers, he lived in LA and wrote op-eds for like the LA Times or whatever. And when he was the coach of the Bulls, he just lived in Chicago and wrote them for like the Trib. And then he moved to New York and wrote them for the Post. And it's like everyone knew what was going on there. So teams do this. I don't know if this specific case is that instance. But it, either way, whether it was earnest or not, it gave Mike Rizzo a real opportunity to just wreck everyone and just be like yo bryce you're our guy <laughs> yeah i'm about it i mean i i i kind of want him to stay in dc so why well so that he doesn't go to the yankees uh i mean yeah sure i just think it's more fun when players stay with the team they came up with you know like i would have loved if Andrew mccutcheon stayed with the pirates his whole career or whatever i don't know it's cool for the fan base yeah, that one's a little different, though, the McCutcheon thing. Yeah, I get it. I'm just saying, generally speaking, I think it's more interesting when fans have that sort of generational talent who, like, plays their whole career with a team. I mean, I know it doesn't happen very much anymore, but still. Yeah. I don't even know if it's an anymore thing. I don't really know that that ever really happened. But like, the, 20, the 1920s and 30s Yankees, like, why would you leave that team, you know? Yeah. They were exponentially better than everyone else. But, like... A lot of people played in different places. Well, yeah, obviously. I'm just saying, I feel like the the rare time that happens, like I'd love for Mike Trout to be an angel his whole career. He probably will be. Yeah. For for the only reason that he just knows where the ballpark is and he doesn't have to (laughs) learn a new city. (laughs) Doesn't want to punch punch in a new work location in Google Maps. (laughs) Seriously. Oh, God. All right. Continuing the we're mad about things segment of the podcast <laughs> in other dumb baseball news uh this ha- always baseball never seats ceases to like step on its own feet and trip over itself uh, it can't go more than a week without us getting mad at something uh seriously yeah um so this is from like maybe monday of this past week or something um so and i guess in in some ways it connects very tangentially to our Cindergard conversation earlier and it's about retaliatory hit by pitches and it involves the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Pittsburgh Pirates. And so they were playing in a baseball game against each other, as you do. And the <laughs> the, the Pirates were up five nothing. Baseball teams do. <laughs> uh, the Pirates were up uh, five nothing on the Diamondbacks going into the seventh. Joe Musgrove was dealing for the Pirates. It was he allowed like four hits. Things are going great. Um, but the uh, the Diamondbacks pitcher hits the Pirates hitter in the top of the seventh. And they I guess they have like a history of hit by pitches or whatever. And anyway, in the bottom of the seventh, Joe Musgrove comes out and in retaliation hits the very first batter. And it, it was retaliation because he came out after the game and goes, that's how the game is played. You're willing to go out and hit somebody. You've got to be willing to deal with with might come that with that, oh, there's a word missing here. Putting the leadoff runner on base, especially late in the game like that, you don't want to start a rally, which I I don't get because the Diamondbacks rallied, man, because they came back. Yeah, wait, he just like, they came back and tied the game in that inning. They scored five straight runs 
This is like that thing that you're not supposed to do in debates where you make the point for the other team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like you make the point for the other side of the debate. He just made the argument for why you shouldn't do what you did. Well, yeah. One of the reasons why. The other reason being that you shouldn't throw a 95 mile an hour pitch at someone. Yeah, exactly. Because you could kill them. Uh, yeah, so the, so the Diamondbacks come back and win the game, obviously, because that's what happens in this sort of thing. You, you reap what you sow, buddy. <laughs> and <laughs> Tony Lovulo, I don't know that we ever really figured out how to pronounce his name. Um, but like, that sounds familiar. <laughs> the, the Diamondbacks manager goes, I don't really know what's going on inside their dugout, but if it was the retaliation, it certainly cost their pitcher a couple runs, and it might have cost them a win. <laughs> um, to that, uh, I say, yeah, absolutely. This is dumb yeah on multiple levels but the biggest one of all being why do we still do this this is like maybe one of the most regressive unwritten rules in baseball right now is this like well you hit our guy so we have to hit your guy like do you know how hard you throw baseballs these days this isn't 1977 where pitchers are topping out at 90 like (laughs) just stop this it's also like this is also intertwined with all the other regressive baseball things. Like, if you bat flip, we're going to hit you. It's such a base level way of thinking about how you can retaliate or how you can, like, hit back or how you can express your concern with how something went. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, oh, we're just going to hit you and then it's going to be done. What What is this accomplishing? Yeah. I mean, it, it connects to, like, conversations around toxic masculinity that we've talked about and this, like, really, like girl like hoorah like i'm gonna stand up for my team and and physically injure you um to to show that like we have each other's backs it's like you can use your words buddy like they teach you this they teach you this in kindergarten to if like someone does something to you tell them how you feel like come out after the game and be like yeah man i uh he hit me with the baseball and frankly i really didn't like that it kind of hurt me yeah the collective emotional quotient of baseball is easily lower than a kindergarten class. It's so bad. It's like, <laughs> well, okay. And you mentioned that it sort of tangentially connects back to Syndergaard, but even though that was the Mets and like, I defend the fact that Terry Collins was upset and that they should have worn Syndergaard and all that stuff. You're right. And that he should have been ejected. And this was very obviously premeditated and a stupid thing to do. No, Syndergaard, you throw 101 miles an hour. If he was trying to intentionally throw behind him, Fine, but that's still you're towing a line that's very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For what? Like, for what? I mean, like, really, for Chase Utley, that's what we're doing this for. Just to like, like, like I said, fire off a tweet and it's over. Chase Utley, we hate you. Like, what is? I guess I don't quite get get the the point of it. You know, like, like I really just don't understand where the idea even came from in the first place. It's like, do you do you want to you want to scare the guy? You want to like give one of their players a bruise, a player who was not involved at all. Like you just wrapped up this other guy and gave him an injury just because he happened to be on the other team. Like, yeah. like it, uh, it doesn't make sense. We need to just skip this part and go straight to the brawls. If you really need to fight, if you really need to be a man, just like do these fake brawls where the bench is clear and everyone just kind of holds each other back. Yeah, and like, like way pushes a little bit. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't use the projectile that you throw uh, 95 <laughs> miles an hour. Yeah, wait, why can't we disqualify the baseball from these fights? We've disqualified the bat, right? No one can just bring the bat out and just kill the pitcher. <laughs> I think that, you know, I think that should be allowed. If we're being honest, <laughs> if the pitcher can use the ball, the batter can use the bat. That's the rule. Ob- 
I'm not kidding. <laughs> that would be, I mean, if we're talking about logistically speaking, that it makes sense. Yeah, like because, why, why did we draw the line there arbitrarily? Yeah, why? The pitcher's weapon of choice is a ball that can kill someone, and the batter's weapon of choice is a bat that can kill someone. I mean, you're, that's the thing you're using in the game. So therefore, that would be, I guess, logically speaking, the thing that you'd be using in a fight. Yeah. That's how ridiculous this feels to me. <laughs> uh, you remember when like Harper used the helmet? Like I feel like like batters are just grasping at something to to throw at pitchers. Like pitchers pitchers have all the leverage in that situation. I take back all my defense of Harper because he reminded me of that helmet throw. Worst helmet throw in the history of baseball. <laughs> so bad. He didn't come anywhere near the pitcher. Yeah, <laughs> he threw it straight into the ground. <laughs> Oh, Bryce, what are you doing, my guy? Yeah. So uh, that was Hunter Strickland had that one coming. Yeah. I will say, okay, I I'll defend like hitting a batter, but not not intentionally. Like I'll defend throwing inside if someone's standing on top of the plate and it hits them. That's one thing. That's actually part of baseball. This is not part of baseball. Hitting someone intentionally for something that happened in two two innings earlier, hitting someone else who had nothing to do with that situation is not part of baseball. That is a that's that's revisionist history that's made up someone just decided at one point this is a smart thing to do and we don't have to continue doing it just because that one person decided that it was a good idea yeah it's like it's like the most boring beefs in baseball is like these two teams have a history of hitting each other i'm like really like this is it's not even some like big rivalry or anything like that it's like the most it's like it's the most cowardly way to approach it if you think about it, because the pitcher yeah. has all of the control in the situation and is throwing the what ball. Throwing the ball at a batter who has really no way of defending himself against that sort of thing. Seriously, we're just like putting the batter the batter in like a firing line. Yeah. It's like, oh just <laughs> Yeah. Dodge, dip, duck, and dodge or whatever, I guess. Yeah, it's it's dumb. It's dumb. You know what you know what's like a more interesting rivalry where everyone's still kind of mad at each other? The Jose Bautista bat flip. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's more interesting. That happened because of a thing that happened in a baseball game. If you really wanted to watch people just get hit, like go watch dodgeball. Yeah. Can you imagine it's not a projectile? Can you imagine if basketball, if like the Warriors and the Cavaliers had a rivalry because Steph and LeBron like couldn't stop chucking the basketball at each other? Like, we would get so tired of that so quickly. We'd be like, grow up. <laughs> That, I don't even know if that perfectly works, though. It's not like one-to-one because that's not even something that you know, do in basketball. <laughs> Maybe it's like like LeBron would just be making no-look passes off like Draymond's face. <laughs> like Draymond wouldn't know when to expect it, and LeBron would just throw like a 70-mile-an-hour laser off his face. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Once again, we found a way to compare baseball to basketball. We got we to gotta slide it into every episode at this point. There are like moments in NBA history where someone has gotten so frustrated after being dunked on that they just like throw the ball at the guy who did it <laughs> like like Shaq did it to someone i forget who it was too but Shaq dunked on someone hung on the rim and lifted up his legs and you know like that iconic Shaq yeah. pose where he just kind of like looks down at the dude and just basically just like swung his legs into the guy knocked him over and then stood over top of him yeah. and then as he turned around to run back i'm pretty sure he like stuck his tongue out too he did Shaq things and as he like went to go run back on defense, the guy just very feebly just picked up the ball <laughs> and threw it at Shaq's back and missed. <laughs> and it's just like, 
that's how ridiculous this is. Obviously, in baseball, it's more dangerous, but you look that ridiculous when you're throwing at someone. Come on. Yeah. But at least then it's like, it's kind of funny because you're not really going to hurt the guy unless you like break his nose with it. You know, like there's a, you have a pretty wide margin for error there because throwing a basketball at someone is not going to like put them out for the rest of the season or something like that. It's like, it's like if you threw your batting gloves at someone, you know, like, <laughs> like there's really that's what they should start doing. Just like throwing like sunflower seeds at each other, just like <laughs> like pegging each other with them. Someone comes running out into the field with a big bag of sunflower <laughs> seeds and just throws it in the pitcher's face. I want I want each dugout to be loaded with like a little marshmallow gun, you know, that they can just like fire at opposing players like when they're rounding third or something like that. Yeah. Water guns. Yeah. Yeah. It just busts into a water gun fight. You know, there's been a lot of talk about why uh, fans don't come to games anymore, but like, I think we've solved it right here. Oh, that's the stupidest conversation ever. (laughs) I know. We won't go down that rabbit hole. All right. When we come back, quick Mets, quick A's update, and then Timmy Tebow. Bobby, so have the Mets won a game since we last talked? I don't even know. No, I don't think they have. I think the last... Did we talk after they beat the Yankees? I think we did. Yeah, probably. So then no, no, they haven't won a game. (laughs) And they are never going to win a game ever again. But that's not what we're here to talk about. What we're here to talk about is goodbye, Adrian Gonzalez. Yeah, sad. He had a nice brief run. Seemed like a good guy. Seemed like a nice guy. He had, he, I think, unfairly had these things that followed him around from when he was with the Dodgers. He was like a bad teammate and he was like standoffish and that kind of thing. And I think, I don't know all of the details that go into things like that, but I generally think that those are things to be kept within a locker room. And if MLB players feel that way, that's one thing, but I don't think fans should really be getting into like the bad teammate kind of argument, not a good locker room guy, unless they do something that's like public facing and you feel like you can criticize, which Adrian Gonzalez, hasn't done uh yeah i agree with you on that i think it's the kind of thing that should just be like dealt with internally but yeah i i guess i'm i'll I'll miss adrian gonzalez even though i think i advocated for for the mets getting rid of him on the last podcast um yeah but you spoke it into existence yeah seriously i should have said that they should just cut jose reyes instead because adrian gonzalez not the worst player on the mets roster right now no not the worst, the oldest, nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Worst baseball player, worst person, none of the above. There were like um, a couple stories about potentially the the Mets wanting Jose Reyes to retire and like come out and basically they were going to cut him without cutting him for like his non-existent legacy that for some reason Sandy Alderson still thinks exists. And to that I say, just cut him. DFA him. He has not earned this legacy that you're talking about. Yeah. He's trash. Yeah. He should not be on this team. They should have never re-signed him in the first place. They did it because they needed an infielder, I guess. He's not he wasn't good. It's like this weird thing that Sandy Alderson has where he feels like they should just have like they should just recycle veterans who were easy to be around teams. You know? Yeah. It's and it yeah. it manifests in a good way a few times with like Frazier. And 
because um, he's still a good player, a baseball player, actually. The Michael Kadire, like they did this with, and he sort of went quietly in the 2016 season. But it's just like this weird affinity he has for keeping around veterans and signing them, obviously signing them to minimum contracts. And I feel like that is sort of where it starts to make sense when you look at like what these guys make and how the Mets refuse to spend money on actually good players. Yeah. I don't, I really don't understand what Alderson's obsession with Reyes is because it's not even like he's a mediocre veteran who's making league minimum. Like he's just not good. Like he is obscenely bad right now. And, and that is not even talking about the, the domestic violence stuff against him, right? Like from an objective perspective, he's not even a good baseball player. So even even if you can't even if Alderson won't listen to a moral argument against him, like why why are you not like this is such a black mark on your resume as a GM that you don't that you aren't able to cut the guy who's hitting 150 in June. In June. Like you've you've given yeah. him enough leash at this point, you know? Also, like let's just be clear, there should be no leash to begin with. You should not get a second chance for glory with the team that you came up with after his after the past that he's exhibited. No, ab- absolutely. You forego your right to as a baseball player, you forego your right to go out on top after you throw your wife through a glass door. Yeah, and I agree with you completely, but Alderson clearly doesn't doesn't think yeah. about th- about it that way. Alderson and like this vague idea of the Mets organization doesn't feel that way. Yeah, and what, literally, what, like what does that, every, even, what does that even mean? Every single fan that I come across, but but maybe that's just like me. Maybe that's just on Twitter. Like the people that I see are like get rid of Reyes, get rid of Jose Reyes because if you go to a game, they still cheer for him. People still wear jerseys. People still chant that Jose 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 thing. And I'm just like. It just doesn't make any sense. It's like people don't even know. I I don't think people know about his past. No, I feel I and feel I, like people because it was with the Rockies when that thing came out. So I think it's almost like kind of one of those things you just conveniently ignore. Oh, there's got to be a better way, man. There's got to be a better way for fans, like casual fans, to know the past of the people that they're cheering for. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and and a lot of that falls on teams because like they do a really good job of sweeping this stuff under the rug and never talking about it and just like poo-pooing it before it becomes a, a bad storyline. Yeah. And maybe that like falls on media outlets too. Maybe every time that the media outlet writes about how Jose Reyes is bad, they should also say that he should not have had this second chance to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is something, it is something that should follow him. Certainly. I don't know. It's dumb. And it's something that the team should take care of. Yeah. And should have taken care of a long time ago. Yeah. Agreed. Um, do you want to cry about Matt Chapman for 30 seconds? Yeah. We've been going along on this one, and we still need to talk about how I saw T- Tebow in real life. But <laughs> uh, you feel like you've, you've earned this for Matt Chapman. DL, really? We can't have any good things at all. Like, the A's didn't even have to be good this year. I just wanted one 10-war player. He was, I think that's a baseball record. Oh, you just wanted one 10-war player. Yeah, just one. Just one. <laughs> um, I think it's baseball reference war, which, like, which is a lot higher than Fangraphs, whatever. It's well, it inflates his defense a little more. Yeah, exactly. But because it has him having like four and a half wins above replacement at this point in the season, which is obscene. But regardless, like, come on, man, we didn't need this right now. And like the A's rotation can't stay healthy. 
like, of course, this is the thing that's going to kill this team. It's like not even the fact that they have bad players. It's just that none of their players will be able to stay healthy for extended periods of time. Yeah. Like, I get that that's, I mean, that's part of the game, you know, is like being able to stay healthy and condition and that sort of thing. But it's way more, it's way more frustrating to like see the potential and then just have it like snuffed out. Yeah. Wait, did you say, I, I didn't hear it. Did you say what his injury actually is? Uh, it's like a hand injury. I think it's like a hand contusion. And mm. oh, the LeBron. Yeah. yeah. The LeBron injury. Yeah. Right. It's going to, we're going to find out that he like punched a, a wall or something like that. <laughs> Do you remember, that that happened on the A's a few years ago. Drew Pomeranz punched a chair yeah. and was like out for the rest of the season. Drew Pomeranz looks like he went to NYU. <laughs> <laughs> Take that for whatever you will, but he looks like he studied photography in Tisch. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate, but he'll be fine. I mean, I mean, you tweeted this like a few weeks ago, but you're like, I think this is what true love feels like. Yeah. To just have a corner infielder who just doesn't let anything get by him at all and is hitting better than you expected him yeah, to hit. Who just makes every single play. Yeah, he's great. I want to have one player who I feel that certain about. <laughs> just one. I guess I feel that certain about DeGrom, but it's futile most of the time. Yeah, I know. It's mostly just backed by zero runs. I'm almost... It's sort of ridiculous that I've gotten to the point where I'm almost positive that DeGrom's only going to give up one or two runs. Every start. Yeah. Is this what it feels like to root for Clayton Kershaw and Max Scherzer? <laughs> pretty much honestly yeah he's incredible all right uh but before we wrap it up tell me about tebow what's your scouting report quick hits well i mean my scouting report is similar to what we've talked about he's having a pretty good year still i mean i know he's been on a little bit more of a slump than he was when we talked about him the first time um since the season started but uh, i think he was one for three or one for four and looked like two strikeouts in the game that i went to so typical tebow line yeah he got a base hit up the middle in his first at bat, and the crowd went wild. And mind you, he was playing on the away team of the team that I was going to see. <laughs> I mean, it was it was the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, which is the Mets team. So I was wearing like all my Mets stuff, but it was at Trent Thunder, which is the Yankees Double A team. And I was sitting behind and to the left of the dugout, so left field where he was playing that day. I was kind of hyped that he wasn't the DH. They had Peter Alonso DHing because he can't play first base, which most Mets fans on Twitter like to ignore. But I was pretty hyped that he was playing the field because he would like jog out in front of us every inning and then jog back in. And everyone went crazy, dude. People lose their minds. There were Tebow jerseys everywhere. Mets jerseys, Broncos jerseys, Tebow Florida jerseys. Everyone was yelling, Tebow. Even like the Trenton Thunder social media. Actually, it wasn't their social media. after Because I bought the tickets through their website. Like two days after the game, I got a ticket or I got an email from the ticketing service saying, uh, Tebow Mania Part 2 is coming. I'm like, this is the away team, guys. <laughs> You're promoting the away team. I don't know. It was crazy. It's truly crazy. It's actually like religious. I don't understand it. Yeah. He's got like a cult following at this point. And frankly, I mean, we we add to that, right? Like we <laughs> we don't we certainly don't don't help it. In jest though, these people are earnest about it. They like really want the best for tim and i'm just like you know more power to you you, I mean, you barely know this guy and you're just like willing to support him like a religious figure i know i mean maybe he is what we need maybe he actually is the the savior of baseball i know he wouldn't throw at anyone he wouldn't do that to us yeah that's so true also <laughs> you wouldn't also you wouldn't want to throw at tebow either like that, no, thing, he that, would wreck you, dude. that, that thing would bounce <laughs> off his thighs like a pebble oh i have to say man his thighs are gigantic 
yeah. gigantic tree trunks. He was standing next. Everyone looked like a twig next to him. They looked like children. Yeah. I mean, who, I know they are basically children compared to his like 31. Yeah, but who, still. Has, who has the bigger thighs? Uh, Tebow or Cespedes? Ooh. I don't know because I didn't see Cespedes. I was supposed to see him. But again, he re-aggravated his right quad, which is like the most Mets thing ever. Yeah, right. Wasn't even the injury he was there rehabbing. But sure, why not? Um, it was like related to the injury that he was rehabbing though. Was it? Yeah, he had the he had like the hip flexor injury, which was causing him pain in his whole right leg and his quad, and then he just like reaggravated it by running the bases. I don't know. He can't run. He can't do anything. No. <laughs> it doesn't make any. He's so fast too. Yeah. It's so frustrating. I know, right? It's almost like you should have a like a like a, no, a position no, where he no, where he wouldn't. No, 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 no. I'm not dignifying this argument again. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Tebow was great. He got rung up looking a couple times, which is, you know, we've seen that happen more than once, but, um, clearly doesn't have the greatest pitch recognition that I've ever seen out of a (laughs) developmental player, but he got rung up looking and he actually like turned back and kind of argued and got mad at the umpire. And I was like, this isn't very Christian of you, Tim. (laughs) Um, but anyway, it was a great time. I hope I get the chance to see him again when he comes back to Trenton. Tebow Mania part two. Yeah, or when he ends up in Queens. <laughs> God damn it! Yeah, <laughs> probably. Uh, with, the, with the way the season's going, frankly, I mean, we, we talked about they just swap places. Cespedes just plays in the Double A team permanently on a rehab assignment, and Tebow just comes up, <laughs> plays left field. Yeah, why not? He made a couple. He made a couple decent plays out there. Did he? he didn't look totally lost. Like his first step is not the greatest thing in the outfield. He's it's usually not in the right direction. But Tim Tebow. <laughs> He didn't look totally lost. <laughs> he has a pretty strong arm. I'm not going to I know he was like an NFL quarterback, so he should have a pretty strong arm. But um, he had a play like it was a line drive sort of slicing towards the corner. And there was a run around first. And he caught it and, you know, had to take a couple steps to stop and then turn around and fire into second. And I'm pretty sure he either hit the second baseman on a line and kept the runner at first or like one hopped him. So, you know. He can do the a decent amount of normal baseball things, yeah. which is more than I could say for other baseball players who hadn't played in 12 years. Uh, yeah, that's true. It's really honestly kind of impressive what he's doing. I know we've talked about this a lot, but I will say it's, he's been way better than I expected. Oh, yeah, obviously. No one, no one expects him to actually be like a major leaguer or anything like that. But the fact that he's held his own is fine. I mean, we have to have the serious conversation of, okay, so he's more successful than Jordan was when he came to play. So does that mean in the grand scheme of things, he's is a better Tebow than better than Jordan? I think we have to at least have the conversation. Yeah. I'm going to phone this one into first take. <laughs> Honestly, they would, they would discuss it seriously. <laughs> well, this makes Tebow better than LeBron then if we're putting him in the category of Jordan. Uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's like, and he's just, I guess he's living the dream, man, because he gets on the bus and he leaves. Like, he just, he slums it with all the other minor leaguers. It's pretty yeah. insane. Yeah, I respect him for it. I saw someone was like in my Twitter mention saying that they were at the game the day before me and they wanted to go get an autograph or something or when they were leaving, there was like a big line for an autograph and Tebow waited and signed them all. That's exhausting. Yeah. To do that at every town. I mean, the place, like, they sold Trenton Thunder out on a regular weekend series. And, I mean, it was, like, not great weather. It was raining. And it rained on Saturday, too. And people still went. They still sold it out. <laughs> a minor league team selling out stadiums. 
Yeah. I think because of the away team, that's insane. Yeah, I'm I'm sure that every opposing team is glad when Tebow comes through. In all in all honesty, right? Like yeah, as evidenced by the fact that they're emailing me about getting more tickets. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I am just enjoying the spectacle. Never ever trust a pre-roll I never let a random motherfucker shoot the B-roll I never asked advice from her cause what Yeah, if you have more takes about Terry Collins If you have um, literary uh, references that involve um, someone being in the jackpot Please send them our way uh, Because I'm looking to, my, to expand my vocabulary at every moment Yeah, me too I'm, I'm all here I'm all in for in the jackpot. Also, I just got the notification about Chapman going to the 10 day. Ugh, yeah, it hurts. Uh, our email is tippingpitchespod at gmail.com. If you have any listener questions, I feel like they've, uh, they've kind of gone dry when we went off the air. But, uh, but we're back, and we will do our best to answer them if we remember. So, uh, so send them our way, please. All right. Um, thanks for listening. And as Alex said, reach out to us with any questions comments terry collins takes and literary literature um and thanks for listening yeah see you next week and i can't make you stay because i know that you grind and i roll one up with my girl at my crib in the bed that you and i made love as i'm sitting here sick of